Meet Fred Ball. If you're a Humble and Fred listener, you know the name. You might even know the voice. But I assure you, you don't know the half of it. This is part one of the Fred Ball Trilogy. Freddy's too good. This episode of Humble and Fred is brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Boron One, EVNet.ca, Palma Pasta, Kelsey's, and Bodog. Hello, Fred Ball. Toronto Mike, how are you? Good. It's a pleasure to see you again. Thank you, and to you. We did meet a couple of times, right, at a Humble and Fred Christmas party or two. Yes, that, that is correct. Also, I followed you from the uh, pre-podcast and when it was blogs and Toronto Mike was the radio uh, place to go when you wanted to know what was happening in Toronto radio. And uh, I mentioned your name even last Thursday. You remember JR, Jim Reed? Of course. Uh, he was uh, at our house for lunch uh, with his wife, Pauline. So we talked about you for a bit and uh, reminisced about CFNY from the 80s. But, uh, yeah, I know Jim Reed was uh, – it was fantastic to uh, to see him again. I thought my ears were burning. Uh, I, You know, I'm still breaking radio stories because I can tell you that uh, I'm the only person who's published a story about Josie Dye – quitting her morning show gig at Indy 88 so she could take the afternoon drive at uh, 104.5 Chum to take over the spot that uh, from the uh, the woman who, Meredith Shaw, who took the job at Breakfast Television. So I'm still, you know, the last guy standing who writes oh, wow. about radio. Yeah, no, that's, that's excellent. But uh, t- talk about technology change, though, from those days of, of the Toronto Mike blog to... Uh, yeah today's uh, communication abilities is just incredible, the differences. Well, here, Fred, what I want to do with you is I want to reset things with you because, you know, you pop on Humble and Fred periodically and we get a, a you know, a Fred on Fred and it's yes. always entertaining to me. And I thought, okay, let's just find out the, like the, the Fred on Fred origin story and then we'll get some more Fred stories. So if you don't mind, can you tell us all, all the Hundy P's listening, do you remember the first time that you met Fred Patterson? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, the story is this. Uh, Fred and Delise were married the Saturday before Nancy and I were married. So we were married the same year, one week apart. But Pat Hurley, who at the time was the general manager of CFNY, and CKMW, the AM station, that's my wife's uncle. So at our wedding, he said to Nancy, come and get a job at the station. And uh, so she went in the next uh, few weeks and then started working at CKMW. Uh, And she first started working with David Marsden and then moved to Gene Stevens, who was the PD at uh, CKMW. But so Fred... Uh, Mike Stafford, uh, uh, Greta uh, was the uh, uh, the traffic girl um, on what? 
Greta is it does the Home Shopping Network now. She that's she's the one of the main presenters at Home Shopping Network still to this day. But and then it was Mary Ellen Benninger and that so and a host of others. But uh, so quickly uh, the crew in the newsroom and everything else. And then there was an outing that uh, took place. It was um, uh, we went to a uh, everyone was going to a Buffalo Bills game. So uh, Fred. Uh, they said, you know, hey, Nancy, let your husband come, right? So we go, uh, and on this trip, it was like Fred Patterson, Kevin O'Leary, Mike Stafford, uh, Ross Carlin, uh, who else, several other people. Anyway, we went to the Buffalo Bills game where, you know, they they serve beer in waste paper baskets, and uh, you have a few of those (laughs) during the game. And after the, the game, and Ivor Hamilton was there, and so after the game, Everyone had the bright idea. Let's go to see the uh, the Buffalo Sabers play, and uh, so from that Buffalo Sabers game, uh, everyone was pretty. Uh, the ones that weren't designated drivers had had several beers at the time. And anyway, we get to the Sabers game, buy tickets in the rafters, and I don't know if you've been to the the old auditorium in Buffalo, but the entrance to the upper level is a separate entrance. It's not connected with the lower level. Uh, So we go up and these aren't stairs. I refer to them as a ladder. Okay. (laughs) Going down. It was that steep in the upper level. And I said, you know, with the amount of beers I had, I said, I'm not walking down there. So then I look down and I see that there's open seats right at the, the glass. So, uh, we go, uh, so I said, I'm going to go sit down there. And then following me was Mike Stafford and Kevin O'Leary. So, uh, we, so we go right down and we sit right at the glass. Nobody said anything. No one said, let me see your ticket. So we're sitting at the blue line on the uh, Buffalo Sabres end, and there was a face-off. Uh, Brad Maxwell of the Minnesota North Stars at the time was a defenseman, and he looks at me as he's waiting for the puck to drop. And I give him the finger, and he gives me the finger, so I stood up on the glass and took a swing at him. Right? <laughs> so, and then I sit down again. But like in Toronto, I'd be, we'd be talking from a cell still, right? But in Buffalo, right. all I got was cheers. However, Mike Stafford and Kevin O'Leary moved several seats away on each side. <laughs> anyway, so that put my name on the on the map with with that crew from the office from the station, and then from then on, it was. Uh, great and fred patterson so we we hit it off right away with a lot of similar uh likes and dislikes and uh and and so started and all outings after that included me and then on the on the uh the baseball team the wankies it was uh staff and family members fred made it that way so that i would be able to play as well so that uh and then we had so many wanky game outings for years it was uh, a fantastic uh get to know each other and fred and i have been good friends ever since uh and it's uh you know we lived in the same apartment building on 365 kennedy road and down from the station so you know he worked there nancy worked there i remember when melanie was uh, born in the, in that apartment building and then we both moved to heart lake uh, that's the very first Fred on Fred was uh, in the first house that Fred lived in, in in Heart Lake. So he 
uh, gets Doug, buddy Doug, right? You hear him a lot. Yeah. So Doug and myself to come over to help build a deck in his backyard off of his uh, kitchen uh, wind, uh, sliding door. So uh, we, I go with Fred to rent the uh, auger, and the guy specifically says, the gas-powered auger, he says, go down two feet and pull up. Do not go farther than that. The clay soil here will will lock this thing for good, right? So we're <laughs> we're start the auger, right? So and it's uh, uh, Doug, Fred, and I uh, getting this thing going, and and then we're starting to go down. I said, Fred, we've gone down far enough, and he says, Ah, fuck it, man, let's just keep going. And sure enough, that that auger uh, blade is stuck. And nothing is going to get this thing out, right? And Fred doesn't have the tools to uh, to to start digging or anything, right? So Fred's uh, fuming at this time, as you can imagine. We're not getting this thing out. So he runs out to the street, and I have no idea why I ran with him. <laughs> with him, and he's running down the street. He sees an open garage. He runs into the garage, grabs all the tools that they have that he can use, and run and runs back. And then we start digging. And it was probably two hours later that we were back in business after digging this thing out. So he just walked in and stole all the tools out of their garage. Uh, did he return them? And no, I said that. I talked to him two days later. I said, Fred, did you take all the tools back? And he said, no. Okay, wait, because it's one You're thing. It's one thing when you have these capers against like Costco or Canadian Tire, oh, these yeah. faceless corporations, <laughs> but he's stealing tools from just a regular guy's shed, right? That's just, you know. Uh, yeah, right on his street. It was so funny, right? And, but the fact that he didn't take it back, I said, right, you're a fucking thief, man. <laughs> he's and, probably uh, using those tools today. Oh, I, he probably has them in his garage. I'm sure of it. Because he's only, like, I think he had... Uh, the house he's in now was one after this house when he first went moved into Heart Lake. So I'm sure he still has them, but it was hilarious to, to hear that. Okay, a few questions. So, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you because I want to yeah, no, capture on. all these stories. But just to make sure I've got this right. So Nancy got the gig at CFNY because she was related to, uh, what is it, general Pat manager? Hurley. Okay. Pat Hurley, the general manager. Okay. He was actually the owner at the first the time. Okay. So let me just get the timelines here straight. So obviously, uh, hail, hail nepotism. It's never a bad thing when it benefits you, right? So your your wife's name is yes. Nancy, Nancy Ball. Yes. And uh, That's right. is she there right now by any chance? I'm just curious. Is she home? Yeah, she, she isn't uh, and not and not nearby. So Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, never mind. But, uh, <laughs> We can do another show uh, with Nancy, with her. Well, I want to meet Nancy because uh, Nancy likes a lot of my stuff. Like this is a name I recognize from like uh, social media engagement. Yeah, no, she follows you and she comments all the time about. Yeah. She does like a lot of everything that you do. So I, I love Nancy. Okay, but so Nancy's working at CFNY. This is in Brampton. Is this the yeah. uh, strip mall? Like this is the um, Kennedy. Yes, yeah. it's in the, the upstairs of the strip mall. They had just moved from the house because this is 1980. Right. They had just moved from the house on uh, Main Street North to the the uh, strip mall on Kennedy Road at uh, Clarence Street. I think it was. 
Right. Okay. So Nancy, in her role there, was she the, what was she, a receptionist? Like, what was Nancy's role at the uh, radio station? She started out doing, um, she started out being assistant of David Marsden. And uh, then it was a bit overwhelming with uh, with things. And, and uh, then she went with, um, to the CKMW and Gene Stevens was the program director and she worked for him at that time. And then it was after that, that they said, Hey, you know, why don't you be the receptionist? And we talk about nepotism because Joan uh, Rimmer w- worked in accounting and that, that was Nancy's aunt. So <laughs> that was right. it's uh, a family business Pat's sister-in-law. <laughs> yeah. So it was, uh, I know it was all that. So this era, and oddly just, enough, yeah, go ahead. Uh, Ivor Hamilton and Nancy were in high school together uh, and the same, so they knew each other before they got to uh, uh, the radio station. So when Nancy started, Ivor was there, and they, so they already knew each other. Russell Peters went to this high school, right? I think so, yes. Afterwards, he's Afterwards. younger than, than they are. The, the, yes, he did go to that, that same high school. I did not go to the same high school, even though we're in the same town hmm. uh, growing up. Nancy, our first date, she was 15 and I was 18. And uh, and we got married in 1980, so we've been around together for a long time. Well, that's amazing. I just read, uh, and again, I don't know when this will drop, so this might age badly. But as we speak, Jimmy Carter is still alive. And I was reading about how he just celebrated his, I think it was his 78th wedding anniversary. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's a long time. So, so that takes three things, right? You got to get married young. You got to, no, four things. Yes. You got to get married young. You gotta, uh, you gotta stay together. <laughs> Those are not easy things. Yes. And then both of you have to live a very long life. Exactly. Yeah. No. And uh, as we are up to forty-three years, uh, wow. Patterson's and the balls, so neck and neck, still hanging in there. So, and it's all uh, good. Who else do you remember from the Wankies team? I mean, you've dropped some names. I know, for example, like like Ivor Hamilton and and you know uh, Mike Stafford, and you mentioned David Marsden. But like, who would who would be a part of this Wankies team? The baseball team was made up like Pete Griffin was the anchor of it. He was the pitcher, and this was all uh, you know slow pitch like lob ball. We didn't play in a league. We only played exhibition games. But it was uh, Fred Paris, Patterson, uh, you know, uh, Kevin O'Leary played on the team. Uh, Darren, uh, Darren Wasilek, you know, like Darren, but he, like. This is the promo guy, right? D- Darren Wasilek, is that how you say it? Wasilek, yeah. Okay, he's the promotion guy. on what guy. family member you talk to as to what the <laughs> last name is pronounced. But yeah, Darren Wasilek was on the team. Uh, the Ivor, who else is? Quite a few of the, the staff members. Um, uh, in um, the, uh, I'll think of the names. Sure, but, but so um, what? How long does Nancy stick around at CFNY? Like when does she leave CFNY? Yeah, no, she was there up until uh, the late '80s, and then Selkirk Communications was the owner of the station at the time. And in uh, in that 1990 range, they they the the head guy there, Rafe Engel, he had said to their office manager, you know, I really like that receptionist at CFNY. I think we should have her working here uh, for us. So uh, at that time, it ended up, they said, yes, come down here. And so then she started working and it was two Bloor Street 
uh, West when they started and ended up at uh, Jarvis uh, or the the end of Church Street where it meets Bluer, where the building was the last. But she she worked out of that building. Uh, in 1992, we had our second son, um, and she was on maternity. And during that time, Selkirk uh, sold the station, and everybody got a severance. So she never did go back uh, to Selkirk after 1992. The 93, I guess, would be the end of the maternity, and that was the end of it. So, uh, and then owners uh, uh, beyond that. But Nancy still we always still kept in touch with everybody at CFNY and anytime they had some, something on the go, uh, we would, we would, uh, do something. And also you remember Maureen Bully was, uh, the, the head creative, uh, director writing all of the commercials, but she was a, a neighbor of Fred growing up, but, and they ended up both at the same radio station, uh, in Scarborough. They lived on the same street type thing, but Nancy and Maureen became very good friends, uh, for years, so they were always connected to a lot of things. And May Potts was good friends with uh, Nancy and and Maureen, and they did stuff together. And uh, but it was uh, it was a very close knit uh, group. And um, even when Jim Reed was here for lunch last Thursday, a lot of that same reminiscent uh, times were talked about. Even though Jim didn't, he wasn't one of the baseball players or or uh, or that. There was um, also uh, Nick Charles uh, was was on the team, and as you know how how big he was. Unfortunately, he uh, lost his life very early, but uh, he was a huge guy. Uh, when uh, <laughs> when that bat was in his hand, it was like he was holding a toothpick. <laughs> But uh, and also Rick Charles, who was the news director uh, at the time, and I remember a time at first base where a guy ran into him, and he was literally knocked out. He got hit so hard, but uh, and I can't recall if he came back after that. But anyway, but did Scott Turner play on this team? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I don't recall. He might have played. Everybody might have played one or two times or whatever. But the core group was. Uh, was always there. And as you know, we did a lot of what we called wankies. It was in the, the NY wank, CFNY wankies. And it was a play on words from uh, a wanker and the New York Yankees, right? So NY wankies. And uh, there was a guy from Labatt's Blue that took a, a liking to the team. His name was Glenn. I can't remember his last name. But he he supplied us with, with beer for, for our games uh and uh always a couple of cases of beer for every game uh when we did the wankies across the border that you hear uh fred and howard and they talk about john ellison uh still to this day and john was uh uh working at the stone jug tavern and he arranged for a game with them against the the wankies so uh, the the guy from Labatt's got the Labatt's motorhome, and he filled it. He says all I could fit in was like fifty cases of beer, and uh, we drove to uh, to Niagara Falls, New York, where the Stone Tug Tavern was, and uh, had uh, uh, a fantastic outing. Everybody, uh, you know, was uh, it was it was a great experience. We. Uh, uh, went out to a bar that night. Um, 
this was more than one trip, but on one of the occasions, there was a bar called uh, The Library. And in the main dance floor on the video, they were showing the game. They had they had taped the baseball game, and that was on the big screen for the whole night, uh, watching us play baseball, as well as the uh, wow. the other screen showing uh, dance videos and that, or music videos. But it was uh, it was very incredible. And then to this day, John Ellison is still a good friend of uh, uh, of those guys. Like Ivor keeps most in touch with them. But even as only a few years ago, we went to a Buffalo Sabres, Buffalo Bills weekend uh, where John Ellison arranged for our, uh, for our tickets and that. So it was uh, always a great time. I had no idea this the connection with John Ellison. I just know him as a person that uh, Freddie P would add to the Humble and Fred show to get like an American perspective on uh, Trumpism south of the border. You know, I know, and uh, but he was uh, right from the from the mid '80s or whatever. Wow. And it was funny on one on one of our excursions. So it's Darren, uh, Fred, uh, Doug, and myself, and we we are, go there. And and at the time, John's living with a with his I think now wife, but in a in a, a small apartment uh, that was part of a house in Buffalo, and uh, we. We're staying with him, and uh, I'm thinking, you know, like we could have afforded a hotel. I don't know why, because we're sleeping in chairs and on the floor, right? <laughs> thinking why at the afterwards? Why did we do that? But around two o'clock in the morning, I hear uh, rustling, and it's Darren. Darren, he gets up and he leaves the 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 the, whole, the apartment, and then uh, around five a.m. He comes back in. I said, Darren, where did you go? He goes, I went to a bar. <laughs> <laughs> and so you get up at two and you find a bar in Buffalo. Like, that's unbelievable. So we went wow. to a bar from two to five. Okay, Fred. So before I collect uh, some more Fred on Fred stories, I just want to understand uh, the introduction of Humble Howard Glassman. So, in 1989, we all know this story, 1989, Humble Howard Glassman comes from Montreal to become yes. uh, Freddie P's new, uh, well, the new co-host of what would become the Humble and Fred show on CFNY. When do you, do you remember your first meeting with Howard and what were your initial thoughts of him? Yeah, no, it was, uh, yeah, it was a, a good question. The, um, be prior to Howard, as you may recall, the as Fred was the the uh, second uh, morning show guy, he was always the the playoff uh, Fred, uh, you know, the color commentator type guy, not the play by play. So right. they had hooked him up with many different uh, morning men. Can you prior name them all? Like so, post Pete and Geets, can you name everybody who uh, was in the booth with? Because uh, one of them I was hanging with uh, the other day, but can you name the people who were in the booth with Fred? Like, like Steve Howard? Anthony That's was the uh, there for a bit. Uh, there was another person, uh, maybe even Scott Turner for a bit. I can't recall, but uh, but after Pete and Geets, and then in that time period, you know the the story as you were big reporting in radio at the time the uh, controversy of uh, Pete Griffin and his agreement and then Mike Stafford uh, and and uh, Kevin O'Leary and you know and, and where what are they going to do where are they going to go but Kevin reacted on that 
And then, uh, then they, Fred's, you know, hanging in there. He's got family, he's got everything and, and, and rightfully so. And it, he was uh, perfect for that, for that spot. And then when they brought Howard in, so the first week that Howard, uh, was, was, uh, brought in, Fred had dinner at his house. So it was, it was, uh, uh, like obviously Fred and Belize, it was Howard. And I, I think at the time it was just his girlfriend, Randy, uh, Darren, uh, was there and Nancy and I. And, uh, so that's where we met, uh, Howard. And, uh, it's, uh, from that, from that moment on, he obviously, you could tell he, he, uh, commanded the room, I know he uses the word soured the room <laughs> a lot, but in, in this environment, there was nothing like that. You know, he was uh, getting to know uh, some of Fred's, uh, like, friend for me and, and colleague with Darren and that. But I think um, the relationship with Howard was, uh, you know, he was always a, a professional. Yeah, throughout, you know, his golf club membership, he allowed me to bring people with to play with him for business. And obviously, you know, I would uh, pay for mine and everyone's round that I was bringing. So he was very generous in all of that. And, uh, and so I, I'm always grateful for his, uh, his, his actions to, to me, you know, as Fred's friend type thing. But it was funny, you know, when um, the, it was somewhat uh, controversial with some of the things that Howard was doing and in the beginning. And then, as you know, when he left uh, and went to, um, I think it was uh, the mix or whatever, but it, so, and then Fred was then saddled with a few other uh, morning people. And uh, so then it was a Saturday afternoon. There was Danny, the son, he was probably about, 12 or 13 or whatever it was playing baseball and I walk over uh, to the park because it was walking distance from my house and from Fred. So I walk over there and Fred was sitting in the lawn chair and, uh, and Fred says, uh, they've got somebody new uh, starting with me coming uh, next week. And, uh, and I said, really, I said, that's fantastic. But as first of all, the, the, the baseball game is, is, uh, you know, when you, when you have kids that age, you think playing, watching uh, the Major League Baseball can be boring. <laughs> Nothing beats watching 12-year-olds. <laughs> you look at the fielders. They're throwing their glove up and down in the air just to, just to keep active. I look at Danny, and he's just throwing his glove up and down in the air because no ball's ever going to be hit that far. Right. But uh, so anyway, Fred looks at me, and, he, and he's starting to hesitate as if I would have a reaction, a negative reaction, but he says they're bringing Howard back, right? And I look and I said, Fred, that is absolutely the best thing that could ever happen to you. I thought that the chemistry between you two guys was so great on the air, and this is going to continue. I said, this is great news. Mm-hmm.